folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Back, back, back. Two, two, two. Another, another, another epi, 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 epi episode of the Boombastic Cast. We're so very happy y'all could join us this evening. Thank you. Alexander Hawk, how you doing over there, Bubba? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing, doing good. How you That's, doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to hear you're doing pretty good, though. You know, I like that. It's good stuff. We hope everybody out there is doing pretty good. You know, not too uh, good. Very beautiful stuff. Wrapping up that fucking race car type shit. For your day to cruise into a new fucking tomorrow. It's very nice. Uh, now, unfortunately, the person that we're going to be talking about today will not be cruising into another tomorrow, but his legacy will for sure. Iconic. When I think of comedic actors, um, very hard not to think of this gentleman, especially from our era. You know, unfortunately, when time progresses and things go on and new generations have their new eras and their new heroes and you know, it's kind of crazy to think that some of the kids growing up today will look at, you know, some of the current day, nothing towards those folks, because I can't even think of a current day comedian that hasn't really stretched out of our zone into the new. I got Pete, Pete Davidson, I guess, is one. Like, somebody will probably look back on Pete Davidson as being a fucking comedic icon. You know, not just the TMZ icon of his time, but a comedic icon. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't think uh, he's he's in the same category as the guy we're going to talk about today. Shizzle, but, yeah. Nizzle, no. Hell no, no. is he not? Hell no. I'm not even beefing. You know what I mean? We ain't beefing yeah. for the weekend. So, Alexander, I'll let you kind of take this in a little bit because I know that you love this gentleman as much as I, and I might even catch you with a watery eye throughout <laughs> this episode of the Boombox Cast. Well, the reason we uh, picked this guy um, uh, today was I heard recently that a comic actor that uh, we know today that might actually be uh, considered uh, a, a comic icon, I would say, probably for today's youth, a lot more than Pete Davidson, nothing against Pete Davidson, is Ryan Reynolds. Now, Ryan Reynolds has put out that he's going to do a documentary on the one and only John Candy. Now, I grew up in the 80s, and being a heavyset kid in the 80s, John Candy was kind of my spirit animal. I I loved every film he was in. I'd go out and watch it. Um, and from, I mean, we've talked to people on our show, uh, Boombasket, that have had nothing but great things to uh, say about him. We had Larry Hankin, we had uh, Peter Jason, both of them had great stories about the, the late, great John Candy. Yeah. And uh, he's one of those guys, unfortunately, he left us too soon. Uh, and, and, and the fact is that uh, I wish uh, we could... Uh, be talking about him in the present day, but unfortunately, um, he uh, he left us uh, left us many years ago. But today we are going to talk about him and about uh, what we think are his ten best films uh, that he did in his lifetime. 
You know what I mean? As everybody knows, this is a famous theme for Alexander. One of his most favorite favorite segments of Alexander the Hockenstein that we can that we do here on the show. And whenever I know about something like that, then by golly, you know we got to flirt with doing it every now and then. Give give the man a little taste; he deserves it. You know what I mean? Uh, th- th- this is my passing project on the Boombastcast, giving uh, shout-outs and talking about the works of actors that are no longer with us that have unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. and uh, um, and talk about uh, their, their legacy, so to speak. Without giving it being too personal with the audience, you know, when we get to do, when the Hawkman gets to do a top 10 AD, that's 30 grand. We don't have to pay him for the episode. <laughs> Wait a minute! I get paid for this since when? You know, you write the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I write the check to myself. Yeah, it's beautiful. So you know, John Candy is a dude that we all we all love, not just us, but the whole world loves. If you don't love John Candy, you got to be some type of asshole. You got to be some. You got to have some type of issue if you don't get down with the Candyman. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. But, uh, I mean, there's other. I, I can you know that's kind of an honest, real thing to say because like the. I can't, you know, there's other comedians of that day, take Chevy Chase, for instance, you know what I mean? People will hate on Chevy because they don't like his personality, but Candy was fucking every guy, everybody dude, you know what I mean? He, he, yeah, he was very, uh, he's beloved, beloved dude, very sad, very tragic. I remember being sad when he passed and, uh, you know, we were like our teenage years, we're getting down Derry style, you know what I mean? Okay. You know, you know when he was born, right? Did you catch um, that? I found that. Out. Born on Halloween, nineteen fifty, doing it wild. Ontario, Canada, doing it wild style. He died March fourth, nineteen ninety four, the age of forty three. Yeah. Boo dang, man! I know some folks that are forty three and around that age, man. Yeah, I'm only two years away from that, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping it lasts uh, lasts a bit longer than that. The Candyman, you know, I think he was the Candyman got down with the candy. I think I think he was he liked to have some funds or he liked to medicate, whether it be for funds or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, I do think that that kind of caught him. You know what I mean? A little bit. His last two things were Westerns, which I could only imagine. Like, it's like going camping for fucking six months. You know what I mean? However long they're out there doing it. Um, probably less than that. You know what I mean? Obviously. But um, for a big dude, camping ain't that fun. Even when you're, even you're in a trailer and doing it luxurious style, or at least as luxurious you could be doing it in 94. Uh, times of definitely changing. Get a fucking jacuzzi in your trailer nowadays if you wanted one. You can get an elevator to the above trailer nowadays if you wanted one. You know what I mean? We're back in '97. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I was shooting down in Texas, and I was with a guy, and um, uh, he uh, had to go and get some stuff for the uh, the trailers, and we went to uh, one of those big um, you know, places that camping or us or something like that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, heck, you look at the trailers, and the second I looked at them, I felt my bank account fall down because I mean, you know, like it's it's more expensive than like a one room apartment in like New York for an entire year. I mean, that's how expensive these things are. But hey, let's get into 
why we are here. Let's get into the 10 AD. Okay, buddy? Uh, okay, buddy. You know, and on that 94 set, he was lucky to have hot water. All right, now we can continue forward. So do you want to start with your numero 10? Your numero yep. 10 I'll start with number 10. Now, for me, this is a personal favorite. This is a personal um, uh, childhood movie for myself, and yeah. that is The Rescuers Down Under. Good times, good times. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as a kid, you know, I grew up watching a lot of anime Disney movies, and... Uh, the first Rescuers was fun, um, but Rescuers Down Under, uh, which I I enjoyed a lot more. I I I thought it um, it felt a little bit more action packed, a little more dangerous, so to speak. Uh, you had a great villain in it, um, but uh, the best part is the fact that you had John Candy playing Wilbur. Uh, the albatross, who is the one that brings down uh, the two uh, mice, two down under, to uh, go and, and try to rescue this boy who has fallen into a, a poacher's um, you know, trap. Right. And um, and the thing is that it's, it's uh, one of his few uh, voiceover roles and and the thing is that even though it's as soon as you hear his voice, he can't help but just smile because he's he's he exudes so much warmth and and and, and just makes you want to laugh. And the first time you see him in the movie, he's dancing around, he's singing, and I remember as a kid watching uh, watching that scene, and I just want to get up and start dancing with, you know, John Candy, even though he was an albatross in this scene. I was like, it was yeah, it was really cool. I mean, that's that's why it's number ten because uh, he's only in the movie for a short period of time, uh, but it's memorable. And like I said, for for more than a, a pretty much a nostalgia reason, is why it's number ten on my list because. I enjoyed the movie and the fact that John Candy was in it, even in a small comical role, uh, was worth mentioning for me. No, I'm with you on that. I get down with that as well. I, I, don't, I didn't put any of the, the... He's been in a part of a few animated movies because he does have that voice, you know what I mean? I don't have any animated movies, unfortunately, on my list, but I uh, much respect to all those. And You know, the, the dude's done some dramatic stuff that... He's a really great actor, man. You know, the, it, people don't give comedy enough credit when it comes to, like, an act. You know what I mean? Like, when you're acting comedy, how good you have to be of an actor to be able to pull it off. And continuously, uh, take after take, but still be able to, like, nail it and shit. Um, you know, that's why when you're talking about his voice, I wanted to make note that, like, yeah, the dude could do it all. Because even with his voice was such a part of him that, you know, he can make you feel... He's almost like comfort food. John Candy's almost like comfort food where you hear his voice and he can make you feel like almost, you know, uplift you, you know what I mean? But like when he does his dramatic stuff and his whole voice, you know, he can change his voice to more somber, you know what I mean? And it's like, I think it's because you're so used to and you know the positive John Candy voice that when it goes to that darker place, it's like, 
it helps sells it a lot more too. I mean, great talent, of course, but yeah, yeah. John Candy is one of my favorite. Whenever people talk about cr- people that can do both dramatic and comedy, uh, Candy's always in there. And I would love to have seen what he could have done. You know, um, he'd be probably getting old, pretty old nowadays. But I'd say in the last twenty years or so, he could have probably gave us some really crazy stuff. Possibly. Uh, you know, recognized by the Academy. I think you would have had an Academy Award, you know what I mean? Not that there's really much much to that anymore, but, like, I think he would have been back and the public would have loved him. I don't think they would have judged him for crossing over because he was already starting to do such things. And, you know, the same way John Goodman kind of can go back and forth and play, play stuff like that. I always thought Candy was a lot like that. Um but uh, better, unfortunately. Sorry, yeah. John. Sorry, <laughs> well, I mean, Sorry, I mean, I mean, man. I mean, the thing with with John is, I mean, I totally go with uh, what Matt says about him being comfort food. And the thing is that, um, he, I put him in the same category as another favorite of mine, which is Robin Williams. Which is yeah. the fact that when you watch a film, especially. A, 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 a fun film with the two of them, you know that you, you're going to smile, you're going to love it, and you're going to feel good inside. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Robin Williams, I mean, uh, we talked about in the, our very first episode, was the master of also comedy and drama and all that. And as Matt said, you know, I definitely would have liked to see John Candy have done more drama. But with, with John... When he did touch into the drama aspect, it was always, I mean, Robin Williams went dark. He went really dark, right. and, and I think that's because he had a very dark aspect to himself that he tried to keep hidden. Yeah. Um, John Candy, on the other end, I always saw that it was more of, you know, um, I don't know if if he had he probably had the darkness, but he when he got touched, it was more of the emotional, like you know, the lovable uncle, the lovable, um, you know, funny guy. I think know, when he, when Robin Williams was playing dramatic, he was really going super dramatic. Where Candy goes dramatic, but he doesn't put like there's not a lot of crying. I feel like Robin Williams would be quick to get emotion, like show that side more, but Candy would be more stern, uh, older brother emotion type vibe. You know what I mean? Not really quite fall apart. You know what I mean? Robin Williams was good at like really kind. He, the whole the break the whole breakdown element from going from nothing to something to the the final the final conflict. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, Candy was more. I think the darker stuff would be, I mean, the more dramatic stuff would be a lot of scenes of stern looks, scenes of getting bad news and the way the facial expressions and stuff like that, that he could really kind of show devastation on his face. Robin Williams was very good. Uh, they're both very good at that devastation on the face type deal. You know what I mean? Robin Williams made a whole career out of facial expressions from the most part. That was kind of his, uh, the bombastic element of him when he kind of first blew up. Yeah. So sure how was... about you? Uh, well, what number, did you get? My number 10 on the list uh, is a film that I've always been a big fan of. 
You know, some people, it's a, it's a cheese fest for sure. Um, Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, directed and written by Dan Aykroyd. Written, well, he co-wrote with his brother. Um, nothing but trouble, you know what I mean? <laughs> classic, classic. Very One of my favorite dark comedy, like Hollywood dark comedies ever made, probably. Um it's just so weird and wild. If you've never seen Nothing But Trouble, definitely seek it out because it's one of those movies that are so obscure and weird. It has a cameo from the late, great Tupac Shakur in there <laughs> with with yeah. the digital underground, just as iconic. Um, and Also, also uh, uh, Baldwin, brother. Of course. Uh, Billy of course. Baldwin, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... I have to admit, Nothing But Trouble did not make my list, not because it's not a great, great film. You played multi-parts, uh, Hawk. You weren't given respect for multi-parts? Wow. I, to be perfectly honest, he was uh, he was fluctuating, I was thinking, but it, it's one of those things. I mean, when you have an actor that's so, so great that there's always going to be times where there's a film that you appreciate and have a lot of respect for, but in the end, you have to pick what what which one touched you the most, and I, nothing I but agree. trouble. That's I, on my list. Nothing but trouble has has my respect, but it it never it touched me. Um, I hope not. Yeah, in that way. I, mean, I, 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 I so yeah. I I like it a lot. It's got the dark comedy, the, the very super dark comedy vibe to it. Um, and it has the horror elements, like the judge in it that Aykroyd plays is like a straight out of a fucking horror movie. There's a dinner scene where he's eating like these weird sausages and it's just like, like that gross out moment and kind of creepy ass moment you get when you watch Bill and Ted's bogus journey in the great and, 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 uh, fucking Bill's the grandmother and give me the kiss, like that whole creepy deal. You get the same kind of vibe from like, Aykroyd is the judge in this and it always reminded me of like Illuminati shit like this is what I this is like small town politics but like high up stuff where the family's been in it forever there is no law for them they're allowed to have this kind of this wreck of a yard this mansion that's fucking ancient and got all types of wild stuff going on it you got the dude who's falling apart but like gluing himself back together practically uh a lot of really zany ideas you got chevy chase playing a, a role that's perfect for chevy chase it's practically like throwing himself into a movie like it's like chevy just play yourself for this film uh and i really love it this is one of my favorite performances from Aykroyd. Demi Moore, quite possibly one of my favorite things she's ever done, but that's not really saying much for Demi. Um, <laughs> oh, what? Come on. Strip tease, man. Strip tease. Class act right there. Demi Moore. I get down with Demi Moore, but not as much as I probably should, I guess. I don't know. Me and Ashton Kutcher got beef and it ruined me and, Demi, <laughs> ruined me and Demi's relationship. But Nothing But Trouble is definitely dark comedy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love it, dude. I think it's a, it was a great. Uh, maybe I like it really a lot because uh, it has that horror element to it. Because there's definitely a horror element to it. You got like the weird brother twin brothers that are like fucking nuclear brothers. Like they grew up in a power plant bathroom or something like that. They were just uh, it's a lot of fun, you know. Taylor Negron's in it, which I always get down with. Rest in peace. So yeah, and 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 the thing is that. 
as he said, um, John Candy plays two roles. One, he plays uh, the sister of Dan Aykroyd, and and also he plays the 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 um, like uh, sheriff of of the uh, that that pulls over Chevy Chase and his group. And and the fact is that uh, John Candy, you know, he owns both roles, and you know, even though physically you can tell that it's John Candy playing both roles. But he plays both characters very distinctly that you can very easily tell. I mean, other than, of course, one, he has a dress, one, he doesn't. It's <laughs> like but Alex I mean, on Tuesdays. Well, don't tell anybody that. They might get the wrong impression on me. All right. So. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is that it was obvious that he had a lot of fun playing those two roles. And, 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 and the, the, in, <laughs> the, him and Aykroyd have been buddies forever, so it kind of got to a point where Aykroyd had the leverage for them to, him to be like, I want to make yeah. this movie, and they were like, do it. So he brought in his old friends and stuff. That's why it meshes so well. Yeah, because, but, yeah, and, and, and actually there was, there was um, uh, from what I, I read about, there was a lot of uh, issues uh, where, you know, when it was done, uh, I guess the... Uh, those in charge wasn't sure how it marketed, but they kind of pretty much gave Dan Aykroyd a blank check. They were like, you know, we love you, Dan. Do whatever you want to do, and and, and nothing but trouble is uh, what what came out. And they seen Doctor Detroit. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a a miss gem. If you haven't seen it, go out check it out. It's definitely a fun horror dark comedy. And you get to see John Candy playing two different roles. You got Dan Aykroyd doing two different roles and directing at the same time. That is not an easy uh, thing right there. I wonder if cocaine was on the set of this film. Aykroyd cleaned up, I think, after Belushi died. I think Chevy still traveled onward, journeyed further into the night of cocaine. And uh, I love Chevy Chase, too. People hate on him. I think Chevy Chase is fucking a national treasure. Right? You know what I mean? But uh, what? So, what do you got up for number nine for you? Number Papa? nine, number nine, something that I'm sure is a little h- higher on your list. Awesome. But for number nine is Spaceballs. Okay. Now, Spaceballs. Right. I know a lot of people are like what you got Spaceballs that low on the list, and well, the thing is, I enjoy Spaceballs, and John Kenny does a great job in it. But I don't think that the movie itself really, I guess, focused or really uh, showed you all all the possibilities that John Candy could do. I mean, in the end, his character, Boff, is is actually a very small, uh, small section in the overall scheme of things. It's a fun parody movie. You gotta love Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks always has fun with his parodies. And Spaceballs is a lot of fun. And, of course, I mean, come on, with John Candy with that dog and he's like, uh, uh, with with that tail, he says, I'm sorry, lady, he has a mind of its own. I mean, yeah. how can you not, not love it? I mean, John Candy is great in this. Um, I think there's a lot of other films he's been a part of that he's a lot, that I consider uh, showcasing better as an actor. Um, but I do think that it definitely should be mentioned because... When he's on, uh, whenever he's on scene, he steals it from everybody. He steals <laughs> it from Bill, uh, Bill Pullman, steals it from, uh, even, 
Mel Brooks when he's in the scene with him. I mean, it's he's one of a kind. And as he said, I'm a mod, half man, half dog. I am my own best friend. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on a lot of the stuff you said there. You know, I think that you know John Candy is definitely my favorite part of the of, of Spaceballs. You know what I mean? Spaceballs is such a fucking iconic spoof movie. You know, it's it's got to be it's right up there with you know Bride of Frankenstein for Mel Brooks and Blazing Saddles. I mean, um, iconic Spaceballs is right up there. You know what I mean? Um, and I have that as my number nine. So I'll continue forward with you oh. with that. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I gotta say, I, I thought it'd be higher on your list. But... Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I like Mel Brooks a lot, for sure. You know, I appreciate Mel Brooks. I think, I, you know, I like his films. Um, I was never really a big super uh, fan of Star Wars to begin with, so a spoof on it wasn't really super tops on my list to begin with. And I've always had, you know, even as a kid, there was something about Bill Pullman that I really didn't want to watch him on screen. And that's no beef to Bill Pullman, but I just, there was something about, because I'm sure he's a good dude and I do think he's talented. You know what I mean? There's just something about him and his, his, his flavor, his style, his presence that it's not unlikable. It's just, it's a, I don't even know how, what word I could use to explain kind of my vibe of Bill Pullman. He kind of brought down the grudge a little bit for me, too, the reboot. I liked that a lot. You know, Independence Day, I don't know, kind of works for me with them a little bit, but still, like, Donald Sutherland, they give it to my boy Donald Sutherland. We used to party in the 70s like nobody's business, and I think he could fucking take over all Bill Pullman's roles, even the old age. Donald Sutherland's a dude that, like, I've thought he's been dead fucking, like, ten times. <laughs> and I think he's still alive. Donald Sutherland will never die. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still alive to this day, and I don't ever yeah. want him to die because I love him to death. He's a fucking icon, legend. Donald Sutherland, is a, that's a hand I'd like to shake, you know what I mean? But I got to agree with you, Spaceballs... Uh, a little overrated, you know what I mean, as a film. Um, the only way that this really would make any of my lists is because I do think that John Candy is the best part about it. I really liked his character. And uh, like I said, the film's not bad or anything like that. People like it a little more than they should probably. But um, you know what I mean? By all, It made my list and other, other movies didn't. So that's got something going for it. What do you got up for your uh, numero eight Eight? Okay. Number eight, I got Splash. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Splash, I, I, it ended up as number eight because, again, I, the the movie itself mainly focuses on Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. It is a definitely romantic comedy. And they are the focus of it. Right. He plays Tom Hanks' brother, and he is great as the, you know, Fly by night, fun guy, partying, always happening kind of brother. And what works in this, and the reason it's on my list, is how he and Tom Hanks work off each other. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, those who know me, I I enjoy romantic comedies, but I don't go out of my way to watch them. Right. Uh, because, you know, I always find them too cliched. Okay? Yeah. It's like... Now, it all has certain plot points that it always follows in every single um, romantic comedy or 
romantic movie, and eh, it really isn't my cup of tea. Nothing against it, but it's just not what I like to watch. But what makes me watch Splash is John Candy. I mean, and also Tom Hanks. I like both of them. Yeah. Um, but John Candy is, is, is the one that really makes, makes the film, in, in my opinion, you know, enjoyable. I mean, all his, 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 uh, his characters, his, um, he pretends to be, I think, a Swedish scientist with, like, Tom Hanks to sneak yeah. into the, uh, the uh, place to try to save Dale Hannah's uh, mermaid. Great. I mean, that within itself, you know, is, is hilarious. And then when they finally burst in, you see him sitting at, at on, on the diving board, okay, over the pool where Daryl Hannah was kept with a fishing rod. And he's yeah. like, hello, how you doing? I mean, that within itself, I mean, makes, makes the movie worth watching, in my opinion. And that's what, you know, John Candy did. You, you even throw John Candy in as a cameo role in almost anything. And whether the movie was good or not, you just want to watch it just for John. And that was the case with Splash. Every scene he's in, he, he steals it. When he's with Tom Hanks, the two of them are great together and they elevate the scene. So that's why it made number eight on my list because I mean, the, the two of them were great together. Yeah, I didn't really get into Splash. Like, romantic comedies have never really been my bag, unfortunately. Even more so when I was a kid, I wasn't getting down with that, for sure. Have to watch them, of course. Maybe that's why I don't like them. Um, but, yeah, Splash I respected for its audience and stuff, but I don't really get it. Don't make my list, unfortunately. It doesn't survive. All right, next up, number eight for Matty Boy. Yep. Next up, number eight for Matty Boy is a film called Delirious. You know what I mean? Are you familiar? You I have like to say, I think that, that is a John Candy movie I missed. You would love this, actually, for the same reasons why I probably like it. Because um, it's very, you know, 1991, a good time for it. Soap opera writer gets hit on the head and wakes up <clears throat> as a character in his own show. Oh, okay, okay. I did not see the movie, but now I, I do I do know of it. I think I saw the trailer for it. I just never got around to actually watching it. It's a lot of fun. I like when it, in, in the eighties and nineties is you had you know head trauma is used for comedy material. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I did always like it because even as a kid, like I like telling stories and the whole deal of that. So like, it kind of mashed up kind of what I what I was interested in as well. You know what I mean? He's like a TV writer, um, and he kind of get sucked into fucking his own world. It's almost like uh, some stay tuned type shit. Stay tuned two or whichever came ninety one. Stay tuned was a little later, a couple years later maybe. But um yeah, if you've never seen it, I think you should definitely check it out because you'd dig it. I definitely think it's something you get down with. You know what I mean? It's got okay. your girl Marlene Hemingway's in it too, you guys used to date. So maybe uh back in the good old days, dude. Back in the, back good, in the old good old days. So maybe it should be troublesome for you. All right, what do you got for number seven? Lucky number, number seven. Number seven for me is who's Harry Crump. Ooh. I yeah, I enjoy real quick, I enjoy Harry Crumb a lot. I'll let you speak on it. 
I enjoy Harry Crumb a lot. It didn't make my list, unfortunately. There was a couple one towards the end that I kind of had to really gamble with which one should put on it, and that was on the list. It lost out to kind of Delirious. That was a spot was going to be either one of those, and uh, that's the rank I let it go. I'll always have love for it because I enjoyed it as a kid. <clears throat> and I remember when me and my cousin first started getting each other, uh, every year we would do a deal where we'd get each other a movie kind of like a blind buy for that person, not knowing if they owned it or seen it or whatever. And I remember the first movie he ever gave me of that was uh, Who's Harry Crumb. So it always has special sentimental value to me. Not me. <laughs> yeah. But what do you want to say about Harry Crumb? Well, Who's Harry Crumb is, it's a lot of fun. It's a, a strong vehicle with uh, John Candy. He's, he's the lead all the way. He's a bumbling, um, uh, private investigator. Baboon. He's a baboon. He's a baboon. Bubbling but baboon. Uh, and and it's it's the typical where you have a guy who doesn't really know what's going on, but he stumbles onto the clues, and he he plays so many different characters trying to find out what's going on. And for those Saw fans out there, okay, for those who love the Saw series. Mm. Okay, uh, the actress that uh, was in the first and second one, the, the the main character, I forget her name off the top of my head. Yeah. She actually, hmm? I said, yeah, she agreeing. She she actually uh, plays. Uh, she's a young girl in this, but she plays uh, the sister to the main girl that gets kidnapped, and uh, and she ends up teaming up with. Um, uh, John Candy in this, and and they are so much fun working off each other. Uh, great chemistry, uh, chemistry, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. You have John Candy, no holds bar, you know, do, doing what he does best, which is uh, different types of characters, different types of voices, and just. I would say that it was the like um, the Pink Panther of its time. Yeah. It was uh, if someone wrote the um, Inspector Clouseau character, modified it to John Candy, and that was pretty much who's Harry Crumb, and and, um, and and John Candy just nailed it. He's he's hilarious from beginning to end, and you can't help but just sit back and just laugh. And and the sad thing was that I know that when the film came out. Uh, there was talks, the hopes of this being like a first of a series of movies, but unfortunately, it did not land with a lot of audiences. A lot of people did not, I guess, find it as funny as I did, and it became one of you know the lesser known movies of of uh, John Candy's career. But I, I enjoyed it, really loved it, and uh, that's why I it made it on my list. I support that, man. <clears throat> How about you, buddy boy? <clears throat> For number seven? Yeah. Seven Arena? Well, there could be only one. A 1985 classic um, that is, I kind of consider it to be kind of almost a good double feature movie with a later film of his that's higher up on my list. But uh, the summer rental comedy, you know what I mean? Mm, that's um, a good one. It's the same old story, you know, a strip, Candy plays a stressed out dad who kind of takes his kids camping and uh, 
the stress doesn't stop, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm a sucker for... I'm a sucker for 80s, 90s camp movies. For some reason, though, they were though, especially ones that are done with good writing, like the comedy's actually there, and you know what I mean. Uh, it's a beautiful thing type deal, you know. Carl Reiner directed it, of course, of course, from the the famous Reiner family. His son's a meathead. You might know, you know, you might know of uh, our boy Rob Reiner, but Rob Reiner is a big fan of our meathead yeah. episode on Dead Mary. <laughs> But have you seen? Have you seen Summer Rental? Yeah, actually, it's funny. Summer Rental was on my top ten for a while, but yeah. after rethinking and putting uh of, of of looking at the other stuff he's done, unfortunately, Summer Rental did get bumped off my list. Not saying it's not a good movie. Uh, there's others that I felt that I really want to talk more about that I had more of a personal connection to. Yeah. Summer Rental was great. Um, also, The Late Rip Torn is in it, too. Rest in peace. Rip yeah. Torn. And, uh, yeah, Summer Rental is a very good and a lot of fun movie. And it's it's the, the old trope that John Candy played a lot of times, which was, you know, the, the guy who's, you know, trying to, you know, pull things together. And, you know, as, as the old uh, thing goes with that Caddyshack, you know, the slob versus the, the snobs. Yeah. But in this case, I mean, it's, it's just, he's just a poor middle class guy trying to, you know, take his family out for vacation. And then they run up against these, you know, real snobbish assholes. Well, and great. of course, in true, true comic fashion, he wins the, the yacht race and shows the snobs. Who's boss? That's true. He kicks ass, dude. Yeah, which which you 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 can't help but love, and and it's, I mean, you have that kind of um you know thing like in Caddyshack and a lot of other films yeah. during the time. Uh, but the thing is, when you put John Candy in there, I mean, you could feel like with Chevy Chase or Ronnie Dangerfield or something, you might be kind of like, yeah, I think they're pushing it too far. You know, they're. You, you might not like them as much as you're supposed to for them being the hero, because yeah, like you know a- they come off as sarcastic or, or too too important. But with John Candy, you put John Candy in that role, you're always behind him, no matter what, because yeah. you can always feel that he just wants to do the best for himself and his his family, and and there's no like ego in there. And that's so, why it's a good movie. It's almost like you'd say the character, like John Candy's uh, direction, if you will, that he gave himself is just to kind of make John Candy the presence as likable as possible, likable, relatable, because he is—he's everybody. He's like he can play. Uh, he can, he can play. I always got to come back to the sincerity of even the the faces and the emo- the, the emotion he can address in his face is always huge. Um, very devastating. And as far as summer rental go, I do want to say that like earlier in comedians careers, you'll see them do a comedy stars. You'll see them do um, like lost gem films, you know what I mean? Which are like films that are like, you know, like this is a lost gem where, you know, Reiner is a huge fucking comedy director. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
it's but it's got this great vibe to it of feeling lost and it doesn't feel like a huge Hollywood film it has a very like indie vibe to it um and I always appreciate the the you know like when you see a movie when you see a comedy movie um of a star kind of on the come up you know what I mean that's that's talented and if you know you'll see every now and then like they'll you see their blow up movies where they're huge but if you go back and look at some of those movies where they they thought that was their break so they acted their fucking nuts off they gave it everything they had there's so many like lost gems out there of people's bodies of work before they kind of blow up and do what they're known for and i think candy's got a lot of shit like that too and i consider summer rental kind of that vibe too because he definitely wasn't candy of the 90s yet candy of the 90s was definitely a different candy of the 80s you know what i mean like he first came in with the canadian with the troop the sctv type troop and you know stripes with you know harold ramus and bill murray and you know all those folks and stuff like that um and then he kind of broke off and became his own entity too which is kind of an interesting thing because a lot of those other dudes i guess you can't say that because he collaborated with Ackroyd and nothing but trouble. Some of those, you know, what's crazy is, you know, and, and this is kind of might be a little controversial to say, but some of those other stars at the time, maybe night, like Harold Ramis, he, I know he's a director, of course, and I love him in every way, acting, directing, but I don't think Harold Ramis could have successfully stepped off and led been the leading man in a film. You know what I mean? Bill Murray was able to, Ackroyd was able to, uh, uh, Ernie Hudson, I don't think, was able to go stand off and become a leading man in it. John Candy was able to do it. Um, who's the dude from SCTV who was an American Pie? I know his name. Before. It's oh, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, he played the um, father in American Pie. Yeah, he was uh, Eugene Levy. Eugene, Eugene Levy. Levy. I give, uh, and I apologize for that because I have nothing but huge respect for you, Eugene Levy, because he was around with those dudes too on the come up, and. Hustled and hustled and hustled and hustled and hustled for years until he kind of like he did Going Berserk, which is another fun candy film that's not on my list, but I I enjoy it. And, and Eugene Levy's in that, and that dude hustled for many a year, and then he blew when American Pie came out. Like people probably thought that dude just showed up that day when American Pie blew up, and because he was the father, and they have that great the pie scene and stuff like that. He's kind of that quirky. Eugene Levy is very Dave Mall, very Dave Mall, which I love to death. Makes my heart grow ten times bigger when I think of Eugene, <laughs> Eugene Levy Mall. Uh, is a great character. I wanted that big teddy bear somewhere, but um, you know, yeah, I always like you know, and that's kind of advice to anybody out there. If you have not every film, but if you have a, a favorite dude that makes big Hollywood mainstream comedies, try and dip into their back catalog of all generations and see what they got, you know, before they kind of blew, because that stuff's usually pretty impressive when you get filmmakers and writers that are super talented too on the come up. Um, you know, Carl Reiner is already well established at this point, but there's other films in there. Like, like the volunteers, I believe with Tom Hanks, you know, that was very early in his career. I believe that was a fun watch. If I remember correctly, the look I'm getting is it wasn't a fun watch. No, 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 no. There's, there's, no. I'll, we'll talk about it very shortly. Uh, get out of my face before we mean you have physical conflict on this. <laughs> All right, so ne- next up, your number six, Alexander. Yeah, 
Number six for me is um, Volunteers. Oh, classic, classic. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was giving you that look. I was like, you just talk about something I'm about to talk about. Well, that was a good thing. That was a good segue. But anyway, yeah, um, Volunteers is, again, going off of what I said with Splash, uh, Tom Hanks and John Candy had a great chemistry together. And while they were great in Splash, I think they were even better in Volunteers. And during this time, you have to understand, Tom Hanks, he was a comic actor. He was considered, you know, uh, all his roles were very comical, very funny. I mean, he has, this was comical Tom Hanks before he became megastar, you know, dramatic actor, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia Story, all that Tom Hanks. And um, the two of them have great chemistry together. I love volunteers because you have uh, have John Candy who plays Tom Tuttle, uh, who is you know uh, one of the many types of characters that John Candy played, which is the um, the guy who just doesn't know when to be quiet, the guy who just keeps on talking and rattling off. I know a guy and like won't that. Shut up! Yeah. Uh, what one of John Candy's, you know you know, a famous type of roles that he did. Yeah. Other than, of course, the, the friendly, you know, uh, uh, family man or, or the smuck uncle. But, uh, and and the thing is, in this one, okay, uh, he, he's a good guy, but he ends up being uh, grabbed by the, the communist party that wants to, you know, control this bridge that the... Uh, the uh, volunteers are building, which Tom Hanks is is a part of. And uh, what's hilarious is that uh, you know he says, "I I I will not ever you know follow follow what you say or do what you say." And and they do a a a brainwash on on Tom Tuttle, which made him uh, to be part of the cause to be the the spy, the informant to undermine what the volunteers are doing with the bridge. Yeah. Um, so that they could make the bridge for the communists, not for, you know, the betterment of this um, uh, little village. Yeah. And and it's hilarious because after they have, you know, brainwashed him and he's, you know, spouting all the rhetoric, he still keeps the same character that he was on the plane, the guy who won't st- uh, shut up, who doesn't take a hint, so he's, you know, keep on running all all the things and 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 showing how much he he believes in the cause to the point where the guy who is in charge, you know, just it's like just shut up, just shut up. <laughs> and and it's such a great character, and 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 John Candy had so much fun with it that you know you you just you can't help but laugh and and just join the ride. Even when you know, in the end, he was he was a, a a a spy for the bad guys, but he he gets the 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 sense knocked uh, knocked back into him, and he you know fights on the side of the uh, the good guys uh, at the end. Yeah, I get down with that. I really can't think of a bad Candyman movie, you know what I mean? I'm kind of oh, no. I, and, and, and the thing is, of course, what really 
is hilarious that really tops it off is yeah. that when the communist <clears throat> army starts going towards the bridge at the end to yeah. claim it as their own, they're, they're doing a fight song chant from uh, the college that John Candy's character's from mm. in, I think, Wisconsin. And, of course, it shows that the fact that while they were brainwashing him and making him leave their ideals, that he just kept on talking and, 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 and keep on reciting that chant to the point where the Communist Party is reciting that chant as they're going towards the bridge. Right. So, I mean, like I said, it is hilarious. And John Candy, you know, like always, steals uh, every scene he's in. Candy is dandy. Dandy candy. You know, I I want to go back. Yeah, I want to switch out my number eight with my number ten. I want to put Spaceballs as number ten because I really only like that movie for his performance in it, and he's not he's 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 important, but he's not like you know what I mean. Um, but I love that character so much, so it stays on the list. But I'm gonna have to put nothing but trouble at number eight for me for shizzle, for shizzle my nazzle. But I'm up next for number six, right? Uh, yeah, number six, buddy boy. Oh my goodness, the number six for me has got to be the Blues Brothers, baby. You know, another role that's not the hugest role for John Candy, but I like him a lot as that character. You know, the John Landis film, one of my favorite John Landis films, one of my favorite comedies of the time. So probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, you know, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, you know what I mean? And does the late um, Princess Leia, what's her name? Carrie Fisher, dude. Carrie Fisher. Come on. My, my Aunt Carrie. How can I forget my Aunt Carrie when fucking, I was, the trauma made me forget. The trauma made me forget for a second. But uh, you don't know, make her I, come down to slap you. Don't do that. She passed away, dude. Have respect. Get the fuck out of here. I got that shotgun she had in the film, and I will blow your fucking brains out with it. So don't tempt me, dude. It's close to a birthday, don't you know? The holidays get fucking rough when I'm carrying around. You know, fucking making me get stir crazy, like Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. I'm coming to get you. I know where you live. Remember, Just don't fuck around, man. Blues Brother is one of the greatest, you know, it's a musical too, which makes it even more beautiful because it's, it's way more complicated to make as a filmmaker. You understand the madness of what that entailed. Um, Landis, uh, one of my favorite comedy horror directors of all time, for sure. Um, yeah, iconic, you know, Blues Brothers, like I said, not a huge part of it, but the movie itself is so great and he's so great in it that I had to put him as my number six. You know what I mean? You want to wait a little bit to talk about the Blues Brothers? I got a feeling. No, actually, um, I'm sad to say the Blues Brothers didn't make the uh, list for me. Macaroni. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the movie to death, um, mainly because of what Matt said, because John Candy is such a small part in it. And while he did a great job, I don't think his effect in the movie is as great as... I wanted, you know, his role to be to be on the list. So, I mean, as I always say, he owns every every role he has. And he does a great job in Blues Brothers. And Blues Brothers is a great movie. But there were some other movies I thought that deserved more more recognition for John Candy's um, you know, commitment to it. All right. What can you do, man? What can you do? Yeah. 
an orange whip goes out. Orange whip, orange whip, orange whip. Three orange whips all around. That's what he gets for for my for him being on my list at least with love. So what do you got? Did you do your number six yet? I did number six. That was volunteers. Five, five it up. My number five is stripes. Ooh, good Now, now the thing is, um, I mean, Stripes is an ensemble piece. I mean, you got uh, Bill Murray, Harold Ramis as the big two main stars that the entire film is based on. Right. Uh, based around, I mean, and um, John Candy is one of the group of misfits. He plays Ox. Uh, I I just love him so much in this film. And this is a film full of great, talented actors. You got uh, uh, Judge Reinhold. You got um, uh, a bunch of other great, uh, great actors. Oh, Ramis, Bill Murray. Yeah. That classic. Yeah, and 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 uh, and John Larroquette in it. Uh, he was yeah. in something oh. else earlier too. He was in one of the your last movie. He was in too, but I didn't bring him up. That I, I forget. I forget which one it was in. But Larroquette was in that as well. Hmm. Larroquette's the man, dude. I love oh, Larroquette. Yeah. He's still rocking and rolling nowadays. Yeah, John Larroquette is great. And 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 the thing is that. I I lo- John Candy is, is so funny in there. Plus, also, I mean, he has to be on the list for the fact of going in and doing mud wrestling, man. You got to be a brave man to go in and mud wrestle with, uh, I think it was uh, two or three beautiful, beautiful women. And what's great is he does the whole uh, curly, um, uh, curly uh, Three Stooges motif as he's you know tossing these girls all around in the mud. It's hilarious. It's one of the best scenes and I love it. And and John Candy just owns it. And like I said, he, he owns he owns everything that he does, but while I enjoy stripes every time uh that scene comes on with him and the mud wrestling fit. And he and Bill Murray are talking. Bill Murray says, you're a lean, mean fighting machine. And then John Candy's like, I'll do it. I'm like, yes, go, John, go. So that's why I made number five, because I, I love the movie, and I think John you know, really just was, was great in it. Yeah, uh, I, for me, you know, I'm going to have to go with you and say my number five was Stripes as well, so I joined the conversation that way. That's awesome. uh, a complete masterpiece, you know what I mean? The late Ivan Reitman directed it. Got Harold Ramis in there, you know what I mean? Uh, Harold Ramis, I believe, was a writer on it as well, so it could be kind of deeper into his film works. Uh, some of the cool folks that you didn't mention on that was Warren Oates was up in there, PJ Souls, who I believe I met PJ Souls in a horror convention uh, in a Rocket Shock thing, like in the early, early years of Rocket Shock. Your boy Lara Katz on there, but I also want to do John Deal, who came around to a convention, came around to Super Mega Fest a couple years ago. Uh, he's good. He's big for me because, like Lara Kett, they're in Madhouse together, which I think Madhouse is one of the greatest comedies of the 90s. I, I love it so much. John Larroquette and Kirstie Alley vehicle is fucking devastating. Dennis Miller's in there. It's bad. It was dark comedy where dark comedy could do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. Balls to the wall. 
I love fucking dark comedies that are allowed to go balls to the wall and not be crucified. And that was a time when that was that that was the deal. You know what I mean? I definitely get down with that. Now, Joe Flaherty, you get down with Joe Flaherty, wholesome Joe Flaherty, my boy. I want to get him. Um, on the, I want to get him booming on the Boombastic cast. You know what I mean? Uh, the name isn't ringing the bell, but I'm sure if I saw him, I'd recognize him. He's one of those dudes, yeah, he was from that era. Uh, he didn't really get big famous like the other ones did, but he, 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 if you've seen his face, you'd appreciate him. And he was like, always played this like wholesome, almost Eugene Levy-like type deal, but not as, like Eugene Levy, I feel, was a little more wild than Joe. Mm. You know what I mean? But this was a classic. Stripes is one of those movies... You know, like you were saying, he almost plays a curly type character. You know what I mean? Uh, you see yeah. that type. You see that type of. You know the the fun thing that I like about the the cat when a certain actors create these characters, whether they they be goofballs or whatever, you you almost see them progress throughout their career as an actor. Where you see you see Ox later in his career and other different characters. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. there. You know what I mean? There's another. There's a movie where it's very close. You know, like maybe they're brothers or some shit. It almost feels like, uh, you know, I liked it. I like that deal, and I think that's a comedian thing where you kind of mainly come from a comedy background, and when you 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 figure you create characters and gimmicks, if you will, for movies, and then it's kind of you can progress from them in the different ways. And I think he did yeah. a lot of that. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of times as an actor, I mean, you can play, you know, similar type characters and then you can, you know, grab bits from, oh, I did this character that's similar and this character that's similar and combine them to make a whole different character. I mean, yeah. 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 Do you remember the dude in Happy Gilmore that was like giving him a hard time, like talking shit to him at the... Yeah. yeah. That's that's Joe. Oh, okay. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I got I got him now in my head. Sure. Yeah, from SC uh, TV. He's an SCTV dude. Too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, Stripes is iconic. You have all those other legendary uh, comedy folks in it, dude. It's just, there was like a time where they make it look so easy, but I'm sure it was difficult. But there was like, it just felt like back in the day, you threw certain people in front of a camera, you were going to have comedy gold. You know what I mean? And that was one of the bunches that, was giving it to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, with you, gentlemen, number number four zero. What would you do for Num- that? Yeah, number four. What can I say about uh, John Candy? John Candy's like an uncle to me, like oh, shit. Uncle Buck. Indeed, indeed. Heck yes. Classic. Uh, um. Yeah this uh, this is nicely up there with number four. And the thing is that the next um, bunch of um, ones up to number one is you have John Candy with, of course, the humor, mm-hmm. but also more of a sen- uh, sentimental and sensitive side. And and Uncle Buck is a perfect example of that. <clears throat> it's uh, one of the first things with Macaulay Culkin. The two of them are great together. Yeah. And... And what I love is the fact is you have this guy that, you know, he ends up, uh, no one has any faith in him. No one, I mean, he's, he's, it's obvious by the way his brother treats him and how, how, you know, uh, 
the mother and the father of the kids uh, when they finally had to call Uncle Buck to come in. I mean, I remember watching the movie and the their reactions before they decided to call Uncle Buck. I kind of was like, geez, what's wrong with this guy? Is this guy like a serial killer? Because they're like, oh, we really don't want to call him, but we have no you other option. Uncle you are yeah. an Uncle Buck. That's why you don't see it, because you're you're blinding yourself. If, um, if beep, we got to block it, out, block it out for legal reasons. But if your brother beep had a child and, and yeah. something crazy happened and, 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 and his wife, father passed away, Big John or whatever the dude's name was, passed away, and you're going to call in the middle of the night because the neighbor couldn't do it. And you had to use your clapper machine to get them lights fucking going. And you said, hey, <clears throat> it's, un- it's Uncle Alex. What's up? They said, yo, can you come stay with the family? I'm a ding dong. You'd be like, ah, fuck. All right. And then it would be the same exact story, except you wouldn't make them gigantic pancakes. And true, that cl- true. That because if I ever tried to do those pancakes, they'd end up raw in the middle and burn on the side. You'd be afraid to talk shit to that clown because that clown <laughs> would give you the fucking Stone Cold Stunner right in the doorway. But as I was trying to say before, Matt, uh, I, I made I, me in, in, into a schmuck. Yeah. Um, the lovable schmuck of the yeah, year. Yeah, but, but I mean, I mean, and then, of course, you, you find, uh, you see there's John Candy. And, of course, you know, he's, he's, he's not uh, living in the best place. He, 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 you know, he gambles. But here's the thing that I, I do have to say I find interesting is that, in this one, he's not even a bad gambler. He's actually a good gambler. He wins a lot in 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 the story, and that's how he ends up, you know, surviving. I mean, there are the those most people. In the end. Huh? He wins the most in the end. Yeah, he wins the most in the end, but it's not like he's homie. I mean, when, when you watch a movie with a gambler, ninety percent of the time you have some people trying to shake him down or break his legs to get money from him. In this case, is not the case. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, I can understand that you, you know, ideally don't want your kids hanging out with someone doing uh, kind of a business like that, which is questionable where, you know, he's able to actually do very well at it, but not a lot of people are able to do that. Um. Yeah. But, I mean, he comes in and he takes over the role as caregiver of these kids. And very quickly he shows that he cares. And, um, I mean, heck, I I, I love the movie, but I have to admit, I remember the first time I watched this movie, and I couldn't stand the, the daughter at all. I was like... You're not supposed to like her. Yeah, I know you're not supposed to, but, I mean, she was such an obnoxious twit that I was like, man, you know, I felt sorry for John every second he was on screen with her because I was like, man, this guy is trying to, actually, you know, make things work, and you're making it so hard on him. But I then when, when they... She's going, through, I think she's going through an age, homeboy. Who cares? I, I, Who I, cares? I don't give a crap about this age bullshit. That's real okay? stuff, though. You hey, listen, I went, through, I went through the same kind of age bullshit, and I was not half as a the last time Alex, The last time Alex Ox seen How a Girl Lives, it was on a television. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like like that, you got to put your... You, you don't really know the lifestyle, 
And that, hey, you know, hey, all, all I know that is that make, she was giving him like shit that. for no apparent reason. She None. was a very unhappy teenager, man. And I'm not saying it's aren't, right. Aren't I'm we just all saying... unhappy? Hey, I want to be living in the Caribbean. It, it's not happening for me. So, you know, I, I want always... to live with it and move on. You're just a wild fucking wild dude. All right. Well, getting back to what I'm saying, okay? I, uh, I, real quick, it's, before we end that, though, uh, I liked the daughter, and I, I shout out she was great at it, and I forget her name off the top of my head, but I will say that I believe she was later the wife in a TV show called Yes, Dear, which I thought was a pretty good show from, like, the early 2000s. She was the wife in Yes, Dear? Yeah, did Jeez, you watch that? I'm going to have yes, to dear? check that out, because, I mean, I'd be I'd, I mean, I, 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 I don't I'll see do it now, but I'm pretty sure, but I'll do the homework right now and you continue what you're talking about. <laughs> well, anyway, the fact is when finally they get to a point where they end up bonding because the boyfriend that she really wanted to be with ends up being a douchebag and, and they have that bonding moment of hitting golf balls at her ex-boyfriend. I mean, that was a great scene. And, of course, at that time, the both of them finally, you know, men and become, you know, like each other. At the only time where she showed that she was, you know, not, not, not a pain in the ass quit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love the movie because John Candy showed that even when he's getting shit on, when people are giving him a hard time, he's still there and he still cares and he still is willing to fight uh, fight for you know, his family, even when they obviously have written him off and don't don't think much of it. And that's yeah. why I love the movie. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, big home dog. Um, yeah, I I I dig it. I'm a fan. I can't I can't hate. I can't. Uncle Buck's a little, uh, Uncle Buck's a journey for me, but I think I might like it for different reasons and such, but I can't, uh, I can't say that you're wrong for not, not enjoying some Uncle Buck, you know what I mean? I'm trying to figure out real quick. I'm, I'm just, I'm just wrong for being extremely hard on the young girl. I'm sorry. I mean, I understand that she's supposed to be that angsty, angsty, uh, teenage girl that, you know, doesn't like anything and just wants to, you know, complain about everything. Which you, okay, I understand, but I. You are no good. Her scoundrel. part in the movie made made it tough for me. That's all I have to say. You are a no good scoundrel. Her name is Jean Louisa Kelly, and yes, she was Kim Warner, the wife. And yes, dear. Huh. Okay. I didn't know you got down with Yes, Dear. If anybody out there needs to be turned on to a good showman, Yes, Dear, from 2000 to 2006, that shit rocked the planet. And uh, it was good times. That Anthony Clark dude was the star of it. It was a weird, it, the, 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 it was fun. Like, it, it was a fun, it was a fun show, I remember. Dangerfield was, like, on there. That was, like, one of the last things he did. I remember actually watching the show when he popped up as, like, a neighbor or something like that. And, like, then he, he fucking died, like, shortly after that. But, um, yeah, that was good times. Yes, there was good times. So, yeah. we got really lost on the sauce on that one, brother. What do we have? Well, to- I mean, heck, I, I, I watched Yes, Dear a few times, but I have to admit, I never realized that I was the same person. I, at first, I didn't either. And one day, I was like, she looks fucking familiar. 
And then I IMD beat it and was like, no way, Jose. And I hear you like in Uncle Buck, she's troublesome. Like you don't want to deal with it. She's a pain in the ass. But I think character wise, she's supposed to be a super moody, bitchy teenage girl that beefs with the mother, beefs with everybody, really going through like a kind of a tough time of rebelliousness. You know what I mean? And then you have this Uncle Buck figure that comes in that is this big, big personality that doesn't bow down to her and isn't afraid of her. And they clash, you know what I mean? I think it's kind of a, and I do think that there's like, there's like an uncle because I'm an uncle. I do. I can see, I think this is why I like uncle Buck. I like uncle Buck a lot and I'll get into it, but I think um, there's an uncle dynamic that kind of works there. I think it's like really well written. You know what I mean? Um, Oh Yeah. I think it's very well written. I mean, it's, it's executed. It's really well executed. Like when I think, you know, I won't go too deep, but, but yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but it stops on my list. You know what I mean? For shizzle. The, yeah. um, what do we got up next for, so my number uh, four, are you still yeah. kicking on uncle B? No, no, I'm, I'm cool. What's your number four? My number four is a film called national lampoons vacation. Now, I'm not surprised. I'm not I, surprised. I, no, I'm not. I know it's not a huge, gigantic part in the film. I do think the film's really good. You know what I mean? I'm a big fan of the film in itself. I like that whole franchise for the most part for those first four films. Uh, maybe even as far as I do like Vegas Vacation for multiple reasons. You know, where it lacks in film, where the film, where the film has points to it that might not... I might not appreciate on a film level the fact that I got to work with Ethan Embry makes me think it's a fucking fantastic film. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. So I think after like Vegas vacation, though, it kind of fizzled a little bit, uh, probably indefinitely. I don't think it ever really quite returned. But those first four are fucking really good. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's why it's got, in general, it's got that vote for the beautifulness of the film. But his character in Vacation uh, is fucking, was it Pansky or something like that? As he was the he was the guy at Wally World, the security Yeah, guard. he was the uh, like the security guard that, you know, uh, they, they forced to go on the roller coaster with. Like, the moose out front should have told you that we were closed. Yeah, Lasky. Lasky was his name. Yeah, he was, this, and uh, he's like a dummy character. You know, you you, and he played dummy fantastic. You know what I mean? But I love the character. Like him, him as this Lasky character. When I think of comedic performances that I love, I he would it would be he would that that character makes my top five list i'd probably say you know what i mean of all characters from comedic characters from films poof tatish take put in there that are legendary right a time capsule some stuff up to send away to a future future fucking humanity it'd probably be something like that you know what i mean you know what i mean you get down with the 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 franchise of national lampoonies i mean i enjoyed enough um (laughs) I'm not. I'm not as much as a fan as you are. I did. Uh, I, I can say. Overall, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, I it's enjoyable enough, but uh, nothing. Cla- that, you that's, know. that's heavyweight. A fucking gigantic collaboration, my friend. You got Harold Ramis directing a John Hughes script. 
Uh, yeah, I but had they had one. They had one big drawback, unfortunately. You don't like Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase plays Chevy Chase, Which and is, the thing is, sometimes he's thing. bearable. Sometimes he's bearable. Sometimes he's not. Right. Um, I, him in this. I liked him because he was wicked. Chevy Chase always had a wicked edge to him. So even though he well, was like yeah, a because fatherly he figure, he was a wicked asshole. Because even though he's playing a fatherly figure, they're still kind of like a bad guy underneath it. You know? Yeah, that's what that's I mean. I mean, the thing is that I enjoy some of them, but uh, and and heck, uh, John Candy, I think, is the best part of the film. I mean, definitely. Well, there you go. I think, uh, I think I, in a movie that's good, you might be right, but that's not taken away from the movie. Because even in a movie that's a lot of fun and a great comedy, John Candy still might be the best part of that movie. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, those, like, those like I said, I mean, uh, he's only in there for like you know, what under like five minutes, I think. I, and I'd probably say a little more than five minutes, but it's very small. They get to the Wally world and shut down. Spoiler yeah. alert: anybody out there has never seen this movie. And then they they he's the security guard, and they fucking make him. They hold him up at gunpoint with a yeah, the fucking PB gun, and he thinks he's it's a real gun. So they got they make. They make him go on all the rides with him and shit because they they fucking went through all that hell to get there. That Clark says, "Yo, you either have to kill us or let us go on this fucking ride, brother." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I I think he did a great job in it. Um, still, there's there's uh, other things that I think are uh, even better um, because of bigger role and more impact. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like I always said, <clears throat> even when you have John Candy in, in a small role like that, he always brings his A game. For sure. I, I see a little Alexander Hawking John Candy, to tell you the truth. Hey, hey, I, I wish one of these days to hopefully be as half as good as John Candy. If I could be honest with you for a second. Hi, right, Bubba Gub, what do you got for number Trey? Number. I have The Great Outdoors. Oh. Righteous, righteous, very righteous. Love this movie so much. It is a good Um, You got John Candy, you got Dan Aykroyd once uh, together again. The two of them are great looking off each other. Hmm. Um... John Candy, you know, wanting to go and and do a camping trip, try to in, uh, kind of relive the experiences when he was a kid with his father, but in this case, he's the father. He wants to relive this, kind of like the, the what he considers the nostalgia, the good days with him and his father. He wants to recreate with his kids. And, of yeah. course, his kids are kind of like, yeah, I don't know, we're not too into it. His oldest son wants to, you know, go out, find the cute girl, hang out with her instead of hanging with the boring family and all that. Right. And then, of course, in the middle of this, he got Roman. Mr. Roman. Mr. Slick. Uh, slick uh, Dan Aykroyd showing up and just putting a, a hamper in all of uh, John Candy's uh, character's uh, plans for making... This is a great experience, and it's it's just great because I uh, you got the um uh what is it the uh sixteen uh sixty nine er I think was the uh, the 
you have to eat like a 69 pound steak, steak and the whole yeah. meal. I've free. always wanted to do that. Yeah. Dude, dude, man, that, that'll kill you. I mean, heck, I think it almost killed John Candy if it he actually killed John Candy. He, he didn't want to, he didn't want to fake it. He wanted to really eat it. <laughs> caught up with him. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is that you got that scene. You got the uh, the uh, the famous uh, the 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 big grizzly bear bot that comes in and and they uh, they shoot him and 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 burn off the hair off his ass. So yeah. oh, dude, what a blow! What it blows the hair off his ass, dude. I at the age that I seen that, dude, I was rolling the first. Couple oh, of times dude, you that. and me both. I was. I was laughing so hard that my it, stomach hurt. That's how much I laughed. The bear goes like, woo, 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 woo. Ah, yeah, Doogie, classic. But, yeah, but but what what makes this movie more than all the jokes, all the uh, scenes, and all that is the fact that you have this good-natured father, yeah, that is trying to you know connect with his kids like yeah. a father should. And of course, he's you know going back when he was a kid. How did he connect with his father? And he's right. trying to do that with his kids. And of course, it doesn't always work. I mean, what worked with me and my father? What worked with you and, and your father? I mean, it it's it it it's it's all it's all um about different people with different likes and 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 all that. Yeah. It's it's it's. The fact that you can't always reconnect um, how you felt during a certain time right. with someone else, and and that's why I love this film was the fact of how you have you know John Candy just trying to you know really connect with his family and then dealing with the uh, crazy brother-in-law and his schemes and then. You know, in the end, they all are a family together. And that's, that's the, you know, kind of the lesson in the story is that even, even when things don't go right and, and you and the family bicker and all that, at the end, when you're, if you're all together as a family, that's what matters. Yeah. Back when movies had fucking real hard to them, you know, yeah. John Candy was at a point when Flips, like, like Hugh, the it's Hughes man, yeah, Hughes got the heart. He worked with Hughes a lot, which I was digging on. Um, for Shizzle, and when you're talking about uh, Great Outdoors, uh, Hughes might have been. I don't know if he was. I don't know. He, I, that almost feels like something Hughes might have had a hand in writing or producing. I don't know if he directed it, but I will do. I will say that Hughes uh, directed and wrote my next, my number three. Um which is planes, trains, and automobiles. Now, these number three, the top three is fucking the top, my top three John Candy films, they glow. There's like a green glow. They always hover above whatever, like, is underneath it. There's always a, like, a space where the air just holds those three up because they're so fucking incredibly great. Like, I really love these films. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Classic, dude. Classic. Definitely. I do have to admit, it is a bit higher on my list. I had a feeling it would be. So I'm not going to go too deep into yeah, it. So I'm not going to go too deep into yeah. it. But going back with what we were talking about with Great Outdoors, uh, yeah. John Hughes did write the script. 
He didn't direct it, but he did write the script for Great Outdoors. But yeah, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a it's it's a classic. And like I said, I'm going to talk about it later on because it's a little bit higher on my list. And I'll get into it a little deeper with you there, but we do want to say that Larry Hankin uh, was in this film as Doobie. And anybody out there hasn't listened to our episode of Boom Bass, the cast is Larry Hankin. Go listen to that because, you know, I, for real, he, he told us a, a story about John Hughes I've never heard before. It was an inside look into the man. And I'm not just whistling Dixie. No bullshit. Go check it out. A lot of great stories, but definitely the story that he told about his time with John Hughes was fucking really cool. And we got a, quite a story, quite a couple of stories of working with him, but there's one in particular that uh very interesting so definitely go check that out but uh so next up that i'll get a little deeper in when you do do we want to go is uh is it, it are you doing your number three or do oh, you want number, just did a number three so uh, your num- num- number two number two dose. 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 i got lost up in emotion for larry hanking he's such a good dude and that story is fucking mind-blowing story for sure um number two for me actually is Cool Runnings. Oh, I Cool Runnings, very fun film. Was uh, was on like the list, uh, the, the short list that didn't quite make it. Um, yeah, Cool Runnings was good times. Yeah, I mean, Cool Runnings uh, is is one of those films that I think really um, showcases John Candy in his best light as. Not only as a comic actor, but as a dramatic actor too. Because there's a lot of heart in it. You have John Candy who is playing as a disgraced bobsledder. He decides to coach the the Jamaican bobsled team. He comes back with them. And... uh, and of course, the uh, the bobsled team and him keep on finding a lot of issues and a lot of uh, hit back from the other people there that didn't think that they really deserved to be there. And then uh, when they decide, uh, they, those in charge of the Olympics decide that they were going to uh, trump up a reason for them not to compete, John Candy has a great speech. Yeah. Um, to them about, you know, why they should allow these guys to compete. And it's probably one of the uh, most emotional uh, speeches in a film like this. And John Candy nailed it. And the great thing about John is every time you listen to him and he's saying anything that he's really... Uh, his character's compassionate about, you believe it. You believe it 100%. And that's why, I mean, Cool Runnings is such a great family film, has a lot of heart, and a lot of it goes to John Candy because John Candy just embodies embodies, uh, that kind of person. And Another great, great line in the film is that he's asked by uh, the uh, lead uh, uh, guy in the bobsled team, and he asked him, why did you cheat? 
And his response was, when you realize that you are not, if you're not enough of a man without a gold medal, you'll never be enough of a man with a gold medal. And that was something that he learned. That's gangster. And that within itself is why uh, this is as high on the list as it is. Only being out by one, and is, that even has more heart as, as far as I'm concerned. Well, there could be only one, he says. Yeah. <laughs> so what uh, for you, number two? Number dose for a boy like me would be the great outdoors. Ah. I know you had it on your list. I don't want to go too crazy with it, but I love it. I think it's probably my favorite camping movie of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. You know, if you consider for that little bit of problem child that has camping to it, uh, which is what part two, I think. So it gets, it skates, but great. Uh, the great outdoors. Um, magnificent dude. I love the combination of Ackroyd and uh, John Candy. I thought it was great. I really love when Ackroyd plays these weaselly fucking characters. Like, that's always been my favorite. I love Ghostbusters and shit and all those goofy characters, but when he plays like a dickhead character, you know, like a Tommy Boy got that dickhead type character, you know, bunch of other things i always love that i love seeing it as a director if i ever got a chance to work with Ackroyd, i would probably want him to lean into one of those type of characters where they're just kind of like better than everybody kind of dingus characters uh, i remember we had a, a our boy mcl uh mark christopher lawrence had, had it on his yeah. episode i think or maybe it was on the christmas episode where we talked about it was on the christmas Ackroyd. episode yeah so you can check that out. What was that? 2021 Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, Boombastic Media YouTube. Check out 2021 Christmas. You get a real funky story about fucking Dan Aykroyd and his behavior. <laughs> but Great Outdoors is a masterpiece for me of comedy. Um, all those things you said before, the steak thing is great. The You know, the bat, when they got to kill the bat was fantastic. Oh, yeah. When he scares the kids with the story. Um it almost got Ackroyd almost chokes and dies. You know what I mean? There's so much great shit. The fact that they're there, you know, they need to borrow money. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's funny, dude. The whole movie is fucking great. I really do love that movie. The bear coming through the buckshot, like you said, going into the little cavern to save the girls. Um, super cool, man. I really dig oh. the great outdoors a lot for sure. And uh, Howard Dooch did it, you know what I mean? Who's a, I'm a big fan of some of the shit that he directed. And, of course, John Hughes put his pen to it, like you were saying earlier. But uh, I do – this is this was the film that I was going to say would play good with uh, Summer Rental. You know what yeah. I mean? I always thought that Summer Rental was kind of like pre – like it's great for what it is, but like I think Great Outdoors is mastered kind of what they were going for with that. And I guess what it, you add Dan Aykroyd to it is comedic genius in Great Outdoors. Oh. You know, fucking for real, like comedic genius. I think, you know, him as Roman Craig, dude, is great. Like, if you've never seen Great Outdoors, me and Hawkman got it high on our list, dude. You got to go check it out. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. One of the greatest of the outdoor movies. And that's why it's called The Great Outdoors. <laughs> you know? So what do you got out? Did... 
You did your number dose. Now we got to go to your numero uno. Well, as as we said earlier, um, there was a movie, yeah. uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, that oh. was high on my list. Yeah. And it is. It is number one. There's um, there's no movie with John Candy that is, that is better than John Candy's performance in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. In my opinion. I know there's... There's one for Matt, but for me, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles hits all the marks. You got John Candy working with Steve Martin. The two of them are great working off each other. John Candy is so is so great as Del Griffin. Yeah, and he's playing again to to the, like the strength I said with the movie Volunteers. The guy. Who just doesn't know when to stop talking, the kind of annoying, you know, chatterbox that you're like, you know, just don't talk to me, you're annoying, just leave me alone. And, but while in Volunteers, it's played out for comic effect and, and, you know, playing uh, quite an, an obnoxious and, and kind of annoying character in this one, He's taken that same type of character and he's making it extremely um, sympathetic, yeah. extremely sad. And the fact is that that's that shows how great he is because he's taken pretty much the same type of character and he's turning it on its head. He's, yeah. he's, I mean, when Steve Martin blows up at him and says, you know, you know, um, you, you just keep on talking and, and, and the anecdotes you're saying are boring and, and all that. And Adele was like, you know, go ahead. You know, my day be, be, be mean to me, you know. Yeah. I could be cynical, but I'm not. I mean, I, 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 I love myself. My wife loves me. And that's all that matters. And. And you'll look at Steve Martin, and he's, you know, and this is at the very beginning of the film. And Steve Martin kind of realizes that, you know, he's being a lot harsher with this guy that he's just met, which does come off. He does come off as, you know, annoying and, 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 and the pain. But he he's the type of guy that wants to help someone out, but... He just doesn't know when to stop. And there's a lot of people like that that do care, but they don't know, you know, um, when to either stop talking or when to, you know, kind of just stand back because everyone needs their own space. Different people deal with, you know, things differently. And, mm. and the fact is that not only do you have him, you know, he kind of stays with, uh, Steve Martin, and even when Steve Martin just tries to find any way to just leave and and go in a separate uh, way, even Steve Martin sees John Candy like struggling with his 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 trunk, and he just can't just walk away. Yeah, because I mean, John Candy gives off that you know, he, you know, kind of the poor lost soul kind of thing. Which no, kind I, of drags you in, and that's what he's genius at. Yeah, and when at the end you find out that 
he actually doesn't have a home. Yeah. That, you know, he actually goes on this, this trip to help get Steve Martin home. Yeah, it's good shit, man. I feel you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a great, great, great film that, you know, it just, for me, has to be number one because he nails the comic aspects and he also uh, nails the heart. It's a fucking masterpiece, you know, him, he works so well with Steve Martin because Steve Martin, he's kind of like someone you're not supposed to like. I like him, but, like, I don't like him. It's a weird deal. Like, I think his character is somebody, for the most part, you're not supposed to, you know what I mean? I think that's kind of, he was a gimmick that he did. I don't know what he's like in real life, but I feel like he kind of was a gimmicky dude. For yeah. Him, but, uh, well, I mean, the thing is, with Steve Martin, I mean, this is where we'll, we'll bring up uh, someone I'm not as much as a fan of Steve Martin. Oh, my. Chevy Chase. Oh. Okay. The thing is that both of them have similar uh, uh, types of characters that they play, which is kind of the snarky, bit of the asshole type persona. Okay, the difference difference is that Chevy Chase, Mm -hmm. I I don't know him personally, but it it comes off more cynical and, 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 and mean. I guess. Right. With with um with Steve Martin it comes off, especially in plane trains and automobiles, you can understand his irritation with Dell. Mm-hmm. You can understand why he just wants to get home. He doesn't want to deal with this guy. But with Steve Martin, you can still feel that he's still a reasonably good guy. He's yeah. just I mean He's a guy pushed to his edge. He snaps out. He has a tendency to be an asshole. But even after he becomes an asshole, he realizes that he was an asshole and he shouldn't have done that. Right. Chevy Chase doesn't. Chevy Chase, when he does that, you don't see a redemptive uh, arc on that. Chevy Chase is an asshole and he's that all the way to the end. Yeah. And there's no part where he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should you know, like stand back and not have been so mean. I'll agree with that, yeah. But with with Steve Martin, even in other films where he's more more of an asshole, more you of a do, gimmick, you know what I mean? That's what yeah, I mean. it feels more of a gimmick than with with Chevy Chase. It's like Chevy, you know, Chevy lives it. Yeah, Chevy lives it. Yeah. I mean, heck, I mean, nothing against it. It works for I him. Like he Chevy. he I made like made a career doing it. I mean, more power to him, but. With with Steve, you feel like it's a gimmick, and you can I, go with that role. <coughs> with I Chevy, fun- it's kind of like, yeah, that's that's Chevy. Chevy's playing Chevy. I like Steve Martin a lot. I think he it's it's weird because I do I enjoy his comedy, mm-hmm. his stand up as well as his like performance comedy, like the movies and such. But yeah, it's like he comes off as somebody that you're almost not supposed to like, you know. But like at yeah. times, you know what I mean for sure. Um, but yeah. Planes, trains, and automobiles got a lot of heart for sure. Oh, heart yeah. for days, but love that movie so much. You know, my number one's got heart for me. You know what I mean? Type deal. And my, and my number is? uno is Uncle Buck. 
I fucking love Uncle Buck. I think Uncle Buck is masterpiece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was always kind of on rotation. It just kind of found itself in in, in front of me a lot. <clears throat> and I always had um, high love for it. You know what I mean? I think it's just all across the board, like a really good flick. You know what I mean? It's John Hughes again, writing and directing. So like you have probably one of the best to do that type of thing, doing it. You know what I mean? That light family comedy with heart type coming of age, weird, you know, John Hughes was, is John Hughes is pretty much a style, a genre. You know, he what he did was so great. It's like a shot. Like there'll be you make movies that are all you're making a John Hughes movie. You know what I mean? Type that type of deal. I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually an actual subgenre in the future. Um, but Uncle Buck, I love. I had Uncle Bucks. You know what I mean? So like I can relate to the story now. I like it even more now that I've become an Uncle Buck. You know what I mean? And there is <laughs> like Uncle a di- Matt. Uncle Matt, and there is like a dynamic to go with you. I know you were beefing with the girl, but. You know, you don't really have any teenage girls in your life, family at least, you know what I mean? So, like... Oh, don't say uh, that too loud, dude. Uh, you're going to get me, like, arrested. Oh, so you're I good, have someone at my door knocking, like... Oh, no. What no. about this I hear about you and teenage you're girls? I'm like, dude, there's there's none. I promise you, there's none. Don't worry. They'll, they'll shoot first before they ask any questions. Oh, good, thanks. You're thanks. a good man. You're a good man. Alex would never do anything darkness like that. But like I said, I am an uncle, so I catch the vibe. And, you know, I'm not to say my niece. Uh, I'll say my my oldest niece because the other ones are too young to be teenagers. But I might, I, let's just say I had a niece that was becoming of age of the neat, of the teenage age and of the girl on the show, what I believe to be, you know what I mean? Um and I, you know, I, I've noticed throughout life that sometimes teenage girls can get a little sassy and they can get a little tough and they're, 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 they're still lovable in the, in the best of all time. You know what I mean? Um, but I do feel like the dynamics written pretty well there because I think like if there was a teenager, like in this story, this teen, the teenage girl is beefing with the mother already. You know, the father's not really in the fight. He's trying to stay out of it so he can be the good guy cop. That's what I vibe from the relationship in this in, in the movie. And, you know, it's a part the brother and sister, Macaulay Culkin and the younger girl, Gabby, uh, they're kind of afraid of her. The teenage sister, like they, they're at the age where they think that their teenage sister might actually beat, beat them to death or kill them or do something like that. You know what I mean? So like, they're not going to mess with their, the father's not going to mess with her because he doesn't need any more grief in his life. And the mother would mess with her because like they clash a little bit because the mother kind of runs the household uh, overall. You know what I mean? So like the, the, the future household runner, could kind of clash with the current household runner, so to speak. <laughs> and there's an issue there, you know what I mean? And then the Uncle Buck character is brought into the situation where he's this dude who, you know, he's got a, a girlfriend that he's been going back and forth with whether or not he's going to marry or whatever. But he lives kind of like a free, free to do whatever he do, wants to do life. And this is his first kind of taste of getting family life, which he eventually kind of sees, okay, I could dig this. And I don't think it leads anybody on to think that they're going to go to, they're going to have kids. I know that she wants to, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe she does get pregnant at the very end. I haven't watched it in a little bit, but I, 
I love well, it. For I, I, I don't think, um, I mean, at the end that, uh, when, when the, uh, the, uh, daughter finally, you know, kind of like, um, warms up to, uh, Buck, he helps him get back together with her, but it's still kind of like they're just getting back together. I mean, I mean, the possibility of kids might be there, but it wasn't, uh, like, no, oh, she's pregnant at the end. Shanice. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, there's some great moments in it. You know, I love the moment with the dude, when the dude goes up to that teenage girl at the bowling alley, the creep, the fucking creep yeah. dude, and then he, he gets the toothpick stuck in his mouth, and he tells him, get the fuck out of there. And then the other weasel dude who's friends with him comes up and tells him about the, the, the deal. Um, very good stuff. The clown, dude, the clown scene in Uncle Buck, is probably one of my favorite fucking scenes of all time. Um, great, dude. That the dialogue exchange. When I think of, like the you know John Hughes wrote it, of course. People talk about great dialogue exchange and shit like that, and like Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles or something like that. The scene between Uncle Buck and the Clown and Uncle Buck. I. That was so great that that could have that I'm sure that inspired me to want to make movies. I'm sure that was something that fucking was like because the things that inspired me was moments in movies where I went, "Wow, this is fucking super cool. I'm catching a cool vibe from this." Or like that's exactly how I would have done this in like in my head be like, you know what I mean, like if I was doing it, like relate to it like that, like this is exactly what I would do. I love that scene, dude. Uh, you know what I mean? When he calls him a four-flushing sack of shit, dude, is fucking <laughs> that line. And he's like, in the world of live home entertainment, I'm a god. Get in your mouse and get the hell out of here. Let me tell you. <laughs> he, he's like, would you have something to drink? Would you, Mother Teresa? Never touch your stuff? Fucking great, dude. I love that. It really is. Like, I don't think about that enough, but, but that really is one of my favorite scenes of all time. You know, the, the when he's when he got beef with the fucking the principal and flicks the the fucking nickel at her, and he's like, you know, here's a nickel, go downtown and have a rat and all that shit. That's gangster as fuck, dude. That's when dark comedies don't give a shit. And that was a family movie, dude. His balls to the wall. I love balls to the wall shit like that. It makes everybody laugh, and they go, whoa, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but, oh, this is funny type. You know what I mean? All the stuff with the boyfriend, her boyfriend, dude, with, like, the hatchet. I I love it. I love it when they have him running and they're they're hitting the golf balls at him. Jay Underwood, star of if if the computer wore tennis shoes, you know what I mean? Uh... Yeah, the fucking act, the fucking action, the drill scene. Itch. Uncle, the, the car dude with the muffler. I love it, dude. Uncle, I can't think of a bad thing about Uncle Buck, man. I did it, it's all the way through good. Every time, put it like this for me. If I start thinking of scenes of Uncle Buck, I could probably just sit here and smile all day at how great that movie is. But yeah. I love it. And because, since I've become an uncle, I, I dig it even more because, like, there's a lot of substance within it, which I know you don't have a niche or anything like that, so I know you can't really relate too much to it. And I feel like once you do and kind of know the psychology of it, 
Dude, I don't think I have to worry about that, but go ahead. Well, I know when you were young, you had surgery so you didn't have to go through the the female teen years. (laughs) You don't understand, all right? But the reality of the situation is it gets a little chaotic with moods at the household. Sometimes you want to say, I just kind of let her simmer out and do what she does and they might grow into something scary, you know what I mean? Like they did in the movie. You know what I mean? She definitely grows into something scary. I kind of put that in the category when I talk about actors that were known to be um, people that kind of hate. Like, the, 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 you know, everybody knows an actor that they just kind of hated and... Uh, seeing and go every time they're on screen they're, they're playing a Weasley character so you hate them but then as you get older you go well that's just a good performance like I'm hating them because they want me to hate them that's, a, that's good that's an A plus for them you know what I mean um, and there's a lot of those folks kind of in this I think that I love all the sleazy buddies you know Laurie Metcalf's in this uh, Laurie Metcalf is looking for it in this you know what I mean? She was looking for some of that Uncle Buck. Um, very, very, uh, I dig it. Uncle Buck, man's classic. And so many of, you know, always being around, loving it as a kid. I dig, I dig the whole vibe. I can relate. And I think that some great writing, some great comedy, you know, the big pancakes, you know what I mean? That's fantastic. You know what I mean? There's so much great things to Uncle Buck. Planes, trains, and automobiles are just as great. It's really a toss-up for me between the two. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd probably have to put up Uncle Buck because it was around me more, watched it more. I remember I had a tape of it. Um, the HD, like a, copied on tape, which was always cool. <clears throat> we would have, like, we got a box of... Some of the tapes we got, which were cool, like Dr. Detroit, the first time I was ever turned on the Dr. Detroit was my grandfather. When he got sick, he had he'd just watched movies on like HBO and Showtime and he'd record them all on VHS. So he would have, I got like VH, VHS was like three movies on him that he copied off TV type deal. And I'd watch them and go through them and check them out. And Dr. Detroit was a film that I seen via that way. So that might be a reason why I have extra sentimental value to it. There's almost there's all there's also this movie called Adrenaline Fear the Rush. I don't think I, I think I might own it on VHS, but I only I looked really looked hard for it. People never talk about it. It's actually pretty good. It's like a sci-fi Natasha Henstridge movie. And uh very cool flick. But yeah, man, Uncle Buck is where it's at and the buck stops here, brother. You know what I mean? So, I can, you know, I can buy with planes, trains, and automobiles being number one. Maybe the better film at the end of the day, maybe. I'm not going to say that directly. I really love Uncle Buck, but I do understand within my heart that a lot of my love comes from personal preference as well as, you know, the film being watched. Yeah. Uh, so, who's to say who's right? But I both we. Uncle Buck was like what your number five or six, right? Um, Uncle Buck was 
Actually, I think it was like number four or three. <clears throat> I, 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 I thought I it was a little higher. Place my list. But maybe you already, it was, you already uh, misplaced your list. I misplaced my list. I'm sorry, dude. We're not even done Let with me... the show, and you misplaced your list already. That's what are you fucking? But, is it like? Oh, hold hold okay. I got, I got it right here, dude. I got it right here. Self-destructed, like James Bond style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncle Buck, Buck, Buck was number four. Number four was Uncle Buck for me. What did I say? Five or six? You said five or six. Uh, wow. Stripes was five. I guess the death people will be coming to get me later today. But yeah, that, but, was, a yeah. Good, that was a good deal. I uh, I get that. I get down with that heavily. Yeah, Uncle Buck is great, dude. There's more quotable shit, dude. I don't know. Something about it. It's a great dark comedy, too. And it is a dark comedy, if you don't think it is. It is for sure. So, me and Hawk wanted to kind of roll through real quick. I think we just do a little honorable mention type deal. Uh, first up being The Clown Murders, which I've never yeah. seen it. But I'm Hawk says it's on YouTube right now. But yeah, it's go- on YouTube. It's, it's not great quality, obviously. Someone took it from, like, an old VHS or yeah. something like that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's an hour and something. All I know about it is it's supposed to be a horror movie, and it has our pal John Candy in it. Correct. Yeah, I, I, that's all I know about it, too. I don't know if he's a killer or if he's just, I don't know. He could be on there for 30 seconds when he's looking for acting stuff, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it was one of his earlier things. Um, again, I mean, maybe uh, if I have a second, I'll sit down and, and, and watch it. I just... Didn't get around to it, just stumbled across it like everything. Yeah, 1976 is when he did that one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's done a lot of stuff that we haven't uh, haven't done. Uh, I mean, his small roles in, like, a little shop of horrors. Yeah. That was on my like, almost. Uh, I love that movie so much. Yeah. Home Alone also, another Home one alone, that. Of course. I mean, JFK, I mean, one of his uh, few uh, more dramatic roles. I mean, he's great in it, but it's such a small role. And, you know, while, while it's definitely um, out, of, uh, out of what he usually does. For I mean, sure. He, For sure in, out of what he usually does. Yeah. And in, in, in the long run, it just makes you wish that he, he was around longer to see him, you know, maybe go like Robin Williams and do more dramatic stuff. Brewster Millions with our boy Peter Jason, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I, on my almost list, I had Follow That Bird, which I am a, that's my favorite one. From childhood, that's one of my favorite, like, childhood movies. Uh, have you seen it? The Sesame Street Oh, movie? heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, Big Bird, man, I love that. Ah, uh, really? And, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's funny because... John Candy, I mean, he's one of the few actors that you can put into a movie yeah. like Follow That Bird and and not be dressed up. Just be, I mean, when I say not dressed up, not wearing like a weird costume or something like that, where you put him into that kind of uh, film, that kind of scenario. He plays only a state trooper in it for a short scene. Yeah. And he makes it feel so natural that he's talking to Big Bird and 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 all that. And there's there's a few actors that are able to take no matter how crazy the scenario is, 
and yeah. make it feel as real as it is, True. as they want it to be. I mean. Yeah, yeah. For all that bird is a, is a good time, man. I, I don't. It, it's I've I own it. Uh, I got it on DVD and VHS, and it's one of those deals. You know, I watch it and I, I convert right back to being a kid. You know what I mean? Anybody who came out in '85, anybody that was like a kid around the '85, watch it. You might even have seen it and fucking forgot it, and it'll come it'll pop back in your brain, flash that back like MK Ultra fucking visions. Ah! A lot of cameos in it uh, from the time, which is always good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he was in the Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters music video. Yeah. I know the Belushi. Actually, actually, it was funny because he was originally supposed to be Rick Moranis' role in Ghostbusters. Yeah. And the thing was that the original idea for... Uh, Lewis's Tully character was kind of like a swinging bachelor, you know, uh, happening guy. And I think uh, he wanted to do like a different accent. He wanted to do something crazy. And, of course, the director wasn't wasn't feeling it. So, you know, John Candy was like, well, thank you for anyway, but I'll, I'll back out of it. And then, of course, say he, I think he suggested them to talk to Rick Moranis, and then, of course, Rick Moranis went with uh, his interpretation. I support that. Um, you know, Armed and Dangerous, I don't think I've ever fully watched. I do have the VHS. and yeah. uh, It's it's a fun movie. I have that at home. I want to start breaking up more VHS, for yeah. sure. Get back into it. And then Little Shop of Horrors, of course, we mentioned briefly. That was on my almost list for a little bit. Uh, but his part was so small, I figured, eh. But that Frank Oz one is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> I really love it of color and spectacle. And it's a musical. It's fucking really great. I love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, she's having a baby. Um, is an interesting. He's he's credited as Chet from the Great Outdoors, which is weird. Must be on the television or something. Well, uh, actually, you know what's really funny tell me. is that. Uh, in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Kevin Bacon's the guy that Steve Martin chases for the taxi cab. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, they were doing both uh, films about the same time. That so. makes me feel good. <laughs> that makes me feel like a real man. Uh, also, Hot the Trot's a fun film. The Bobcat Goldweight uh, venture with the talking horse, where he plays Don the horse. You know, he's right up, right up there killing it. With uh, Bobcat doing it big. Home Alone, of course, you said. Only the Lonely is a fun one, too. He kind of dips a little bit into the dramatics with that one. I got that VHS. That's okay. funky. Funkified. Okay. Um, Camp Candy, I want to make note of, too, because I always got down with that. Um, that was a very fun. I think it only had one little season, maybe more. Could have went two or three. But uh, I remember that uh, his kids were on there and stuff, and I'm a sucker for fucking gimmicky cartoons of that era, big time. You know what I mean? Rookie of the Year, he's uncredited as the announcer, Cliff Murdoch. I know he was a big baseball fan, and there was big speculation that uh, the last couple years of his life, or the last year of his life, went a little dark because his dream was always to own a baseball team, and he got kind of, I think, caught up. He bought into like a Canadian baseball team or something like that. 
and uh, at some point they like removed him or like for whatever reason they took him out of there where he was no longer the owner. And uh, I get from what I hear, speculation is he kind of fell back on you know things that aren't exactly healthy for you, um, you know. And he was a big smoker and a big drinker, and you know, so you know some of the best are uh, I don't know they they. They get caught up, you know what I mean? But Cool Runnings was brought up, of course. Wagons East, you know, which I believe Wagons East was the actual film. Even though yeah. Canadian Bacon came out late later, I think Wagons East was the one that was being made when he passed. Yeah, too. Wagons East is the one he was making when he died, unfortunately. Because I always... Um, yeah. Canadian Bacon uh, did come out a year later, but he filmed the right before Wagons East. I always know Wagons East because uh, fucking, what's his name? Chris Farley did a Western right before he passed away, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of that eerie coincidence. I assume, like I said, the lifestyle isn't that great. You're in the sun all day. And uh, you're probably up to bad news. You know what I mean? You're boozing at night, partying at night. <clears throat> getting up there in age, you know what I mean? How old was he? Forty three. Yeah, yeah. So he died very young. Hopefully, I can reach forty three the way I'm coughing. Dang. Hey, hey, hey! Right. Don't don't die on me, man. I, I need to get out for the time being. Yeah. But Wagons East, yeah, I remember Wagons East was cheesy time. You're almost getting a vibe like it was over for the Candyman. Uh, you know what I mean? Richard Lewis, who's a dude who I appreciate. Uh, more so than just curb your enthusiasm. I enjoy his stand-up, and it's always good to see him pop up and stuff, you know what I mean? But he co-stars with Candy in this. Um, it's funny. He's another one of those dudes that I can understand. People, Some people just hate him because of his gimmick, because of kind of like well, him, his personality, you know what I mean? Um, but I can't hate. But uh, Wagon's East is a tough watch, if I remember correctly. And not just because of the death. But Canadian Bacon is more beloved. People like Canadian Bacon a lot more, you know what I mean? It's a funner film. And, uh, yeah, it's very sad, very sad stuff, very sad. I wonder how Canadian Bacon did um, in theaters being, I'm sure it went to theaters, and being the last John Candy movie. I'm curious when he died in 90, March 94, March 4th, 1994, and uh, Canadian Bacon came out in 1995. So, uh, yeah, I wonder what the dealio. Sheriff Bud Boomer had his day after all, you know what I mean? Yeah. But much love to John Candy, you know what I mean? There'll never be another one like him. Fucking genius. Uh, superb. He was also one of those dudes. I don't want to end the show without saying he's also one of those dudes. They said was a great guy. You know what I mean? Like willing to help anybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Humble, no ego, fucking good dude, and uh, family man. You know what I mean? Put his kids in the show. He didn't have to do that. Did that. You know what I mean? Um, very, very sad, dude. I remember being very sad when I heard about it because he's such an icon. And then even as a younger age, because, you know, those comedic actors, they get you when you're young, you know what I mean? You really tune into them first, almost, I feel, because com- everybody wants to laugh, so comedy is kind of an everybody thing. And I think kids really look at those comedic actors as a big deal, like 
heroically and stuff, you know what I mean? But yeah, John Gandy, man, the man, the myth, the legend. You want to say anything else about Gandy before we bounce? Um, nothing other than, uh, I've always been a huge fan of John Candy, and, uh, he was definitely someone that, um, helped mold my love for, you know, film, for comedy itself. Um, and, uh, and like, uh, like Matt said, um, we've had a few people on our show that have actually experienced working with John, and, Every single one has always been positive. It's always been everything I read about him. I mean, he was he was a, a generally good guy. He, you know, liked making people laugh and loved making movies. And and it's always always sad when you have someone that gives so many people so much happiness when they they pass early on mm. and. And the thing is, it might you might think of it as selfish, but one of the things that you know a lot of us probably think is, you know, if they were still alive, you know, what would they be doing now? What what movie that came out, uh, you know, since they passed that they could have played a role in and made that movie better, or you know, you know, or what like think, oh my god, I mean, what would John Candy be in, like, the Marvel Universe? I mean, I mean it's... it's, it's He'd be, what, 72 right now? Hey, Bill Murray's in, in the Marvel Universe now, dude, so age has no limit when you have yeah, green screen, you. dude. I feel so, it. yeah. But, I mean, it's 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 if one of those things when... And stuff was still there, he'd probably still be... It's possible yeah. it'd be still. It'd be cool if he got if you know to see some of those older school people do some comedy, old like end game comedy stuff like uh, like Grumpy like Mathow and Lemon Grumpy old. Oh Lemon, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, that would. Take, I mean, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, if John Candy was you know still around with us, embrace I mean, their age. Like it'd be good to see some of these older comedians embrace their age within the film instead of yeah. trying to come off as kind of like. Younger, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, get a get a group of like it'd be cool to get a group of all the of the old, you know, like how Stripes had all those 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 legends in it. To get yeah. a group, you're not gonna get everybody, obviously, but like to get a good three, four, maybe five legendary from that era comedians and do like like th- they did that. What was that? T- that fucking what was that movie they did with the motorcycles with like Travolta? Oh, Wild Hogs. Wild dogs, an yeah. abomination. Yeah, uh, it was. But um, if you want, well, if you want, I I I, I prefer going out in style with with uh, you know, like George Burns and and his his group. You know that 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 was a good one. All right, word up, then. Well, we 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 hope everybody enjoyed this episode, and more so, we hope that John Candy listening up in Havano and maybe some friends and family of his enjoyed this episode, sharing our appreciation for the man. Um, words can't express the magnitude of just iconic status that John Candy is, you know what I mean? And much love to him and to his body of work. And there's a lot of movies that got left out of the top 10, but 
only because there has to be a top 10, you know what I mean? And they fluctuate for different people. Everybody has their own. Even the people listening probably got their own top 10, you know what I mean? Might not agree with everything that we said, but hopefully some. And uh, hopefully yeah. they'll listen to more episodes of the Boombastic cast. And uh, don't forget that the Boombastic media, Boombastic with two O's, media at YouTube. You go on the YouTube, you go subscribe to that page. Uh, that's where you catch all our interviews. It's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? I know we just had the 2022 Halloween special, which is up there where we had the whole gang of the Boombastic Media Network just rocking it and uh, getting Halloweeny. Which everybody likes to get Halloweeny, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so hopefully this isn't released 20 years from now and that actually kind of works. And uh, But we'll see. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it will be. Hillbilly Deluxe, Tux. Hawkman's over there in a tux, doesn't it nice? Tell the people where they can hear us if they like. Yeah, he sneezes. Go hear <laughs> us on every way you listen to podcasts. We love y'all. Now you gotta love us back. Love yourself. Love the future. Let's do it. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boom Bang.